0: This is Joey Kime, Ministry Operations at RYM, and you're listening to RYM's The Local Youth Worker Podcast. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to another episode. I'm here with Joey Kime. Joey, how's it going? Doing well, John. How are you? Doing well. Um, And I've got to say, you know, right off the bat as I'm introducing you, um, I feel like I should spell your last name, K-I-M-E. Um, Do you do you have to do that whenever you're introducing yourself? Do, do people say what well, kind or kind or kind? What?
0: I get you know it's funny. I get Kimmy or Kim the most often, Um, and couple that with my real my legal first name is Josiah, so I get Josiah Kimmy is typically <laughs> the pronunciation I hear.
1: Um, I like yeah, that. Kind, That's got a nice K-I. ring, by the way. <laughs> Josiah
0: Kimmy. <laughs> yep, all my professors in college that was kind of their go-to. <laughs> go-to way of saying it during roll call.
1: All right. Yeah. I, th- I thought just from the tagline too, as you're introducing yourself, it's good to just spell it out. I, and I've got one of those names, Parrot. I get all sorts of pronunciations, uh, from that. But, um, yeah, Joey He is, uh, the ministry or over ministry operations uh, at RYM. I know that, uh, some of you who came to, let's see, High School Florida 2, Maryland, or Texas, you got to meet Joey as a new staff member of RYM, um, but some of you did not, and so I thought this would be good just to have Joey come on to, uh, in the first part of the, the podcast, tell everyone a little bit about his work with RYM, and then after the break, we'll talk just more about where you grew up, your testimony, things like that. Um so and I've got to be honest, I did have to get on our website to look up your title to to make sure I didn't. I know. I didn't what exactly does
0: ministry operations do? That's
1: yes. a great yeah. question, Don. <laughs> so glad you yeah. asked. Yes, yeah. So what? I, let's let's begin there. Um, and, and maybe even begin. I mean, you came into this summer at our busiest conference. Um, that's the week you technically started with RYM. Maybe just kind of that impression, and you were coming from a Taylor Swift concert too. So that's kind of fun.
0: <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Literally got on a flight right from Kansas city. Um, yeah. I mean, jumping in, you know, I, like a lot of folks, I think I had kind of pre starting to, you know, work along the team. Um, I had the, the greatest context probably for what RYM does with conferences. Um, and I was even familiar with Laguna beach, uh, Christian mm-hmm. retreat center, um, had spent some years there in college and like was just familiar with that site had, had you know some familiarity with you know what it might feel like and i had some kind of guesses there but um you know as my wife and i rolled up i think it was it was a a warm place to be kind of greeted by and mm-hmm. i mean such a fantastic and exciting week um obviously florida week 2 is i mean it was a packed house <laughs> uh and packed is probably an understatement um but you know even as you know, kind of participated and got to watch as we kind of transformed the promised land into, um, you know, into our large group meeting room. Um, I could just tell that, like, okay, I think this is going to be right for a lot of really fun fun times and some great energy. And then I think, you know, that first day on registration day, getting to see all the high schoolers arrive with their leaders. um, Yeah, I think that hype was, that hype was beyond what I think I had even been uh, kind of assuming. Mm. So that was really, really fun.
1: Yeah. And that's good to hear you share that perspective because I kind of felt for you as you were coming in to, I mean, what we all know is, is just an insane week. It's awesome. It's fun. It's a blast. But yeah, I was just thinking, okay, this is your introduction. Is this, this busy week? Um, so kind of shifting to ministry operations a little bit more, your kind of day to day now that we're post-conference, um, just expound a little bit on ministry operations and maybe even, I don't know if we want to go ahead and get into some of the backstory of Brent reaching out to you and and kind of presenting you with this, this idea. Um, However you want to start there.
0: Sure. Sure. So um, yeah, where do I want to start? Uh, Some ministry operations as a whole. um, I think the way that I have, you know, the way the job has been presented to me and the way that I think I've tried to approach this role uh, since starting back in July is, you know, RYM's three avenues of ministry, um, you know, you and Michael and Joe, um, as you guys kind of lead the various avenues, um, I think I've seen it as a a big part of my job is truly just kind of coming alongside y'all and figuring out, okay, well, what can we do to, you know, clear this hurdle or what can we do to, um, you know, enhance this over here. And so, um, you know, a, a piece of that is, I think i see myself you know beyond kind of just a kind of gopher if you will um but you know hey how do we put our heads together and you know help good ideas come to life um especially since you know that that can be a really daunting task if you're kind of doing it solo and so um yeah i think it's been a really kind of rich time of being able to collaborate on things and um, you know whether that's standing up some new Know, web content for like YLT or our training events and trying to get that information out earlier and kind of reflect all that we're going to get to do there. Or, uh, you know, you and I've gotten to work already on, uh, you know, one of our new Bible studies and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, how do we want to present that and lay it out so that it's accessible to everybody. Um, and then with Joe, you know, in the conference space, obviously that's a, that takes a lot, a lot of organization, both between him and Margaret and Brent, um, And so as we've, you know, coming in mid-summer, I think a a big part of my job with him right off the bat was, okay, hey, how do we actually take all these valuable responses we got from our feedback Hmm. and what do we do with that? Um, Let's make sure that we're capturing all the important things, you know, let's, um, and how do we start to kind of massage some of that out so we figure out, okay, well, can we, can we impact that? How do we impact that Um, so that we can make kind of improvements as we go down the road?
1: Yeah. And and like I said, you you started mid-July with us officially, but prior to that, you came to our staff retreat and I'm trying to think, was that the end of April or is that beginning of May, something like that? It Somewhere was, that um,
0: podcast. yeah, very end of April. So funny enough, um, maybe I'll get a little bit of the backstory about Brent approaching me yeah, about the job. And then that'll guide towards the kind of the, the humor <laughs> of being in Austin with y'all for that, uh, leadership retreat. Um, So in March of this year, my wife, Dree, and I got married, and we got married here in St. Louis, Missouri, where we live. Um, And so I had worked with Brent Corbin uh, during his campus ministry days with RUF from 2015 till 2018. Um, So I was his intern at the University of Tulsa. Um, the following year, he was what RUF called a an area coordinator, and so Brent had become the area coordinator over Oklahoma. So he and I kind of kept in contact at that point, um, and did very much even after finishing my time with RUF and as I kind of weighed the option of going to seminary. Um, Brent was kind of one of the the people I kind of kept in my back pocket to call and kind of bounce things off of. Um, so he and I kept up, you know, since meeting back in twenty fifteen um, up until uh, probably late 2022 when i gave him a call and said hey what are you doing in march um like and i would love for you to be the the officiant for our wedding um so he came down to st louis obviously did the did our ceremony and which was really really sweet um he and ben haley kind of split the service um which was a real treat um and then i think somewhere in the next week or so i had shot him a quick text i think I want to say to ask him for Dree and I were, were wanted kind of a, a copy of the vows that we had said. And so I stopped Brent and note and said, Hey, you know, can you can you send those over? And he said, sure thing. Also, I have one more thing I wanted to talk to you about, but it can wait till next week. Um, so you guys so why don't we why don't we jump on a call? Um and that's when that's when the kind of the idea of the role kind of took its first form, hmm. um, which was which was really cool for just him to be able to kind of talk through some of the needs that he was identifying um, and places that he was like, I think I, I saw you and realized like, this is what you were so good at <laughs> back in our U F years together, like to be able to just kind of come alongside and intuitively kind of know what to what to do to help people. Um, so anyways, as we kind of tease that rollout out for the next several weeks. Um, eventually we we arrived at the term operations, and in particular, kind of what does it look like to partner with the three avenues, which I think is where the ministry piece kind of came into the title.
1: yeah, yeah. and so yeah, you you joined you joined uh, it's good that you shared that backstory too, and it's good just to be reminded of some of that because it's funny to hear that and to be on the other side and to kind of see Brent kind of getting this idea of man, this guy's great. It would be great if we could have him come on and then to, yeah,. Th- to be at this point. Um, it's just, it's, it's neat to see that, but I can remember you being at that, um, staff retreat. And even though, I mean, you were new, we didn't know you at all. And we were all talking about our various, um, avenues of ministry and just hearing your questions. It was interesting to to have someone who, you know, wasn't familiar with the behind the scenes of RYM who could think differently about, you know, various aspects of this ministry. And I just thought already that was adding to the, to the discussion and just made it more fruitful. And um, as you said, you've already kind of helped with, um, I mean, some of the web design that we have right now is, I mean, the, the conference page people, y'all need to go check out the conference page and look at Joey's work there. It's just very clear and organized. And I do want to say, as you referenced the Bible study to let everyone know, we have a new Bible study that's available. Uh, Grace 101, John Ravel put that together, but it's up on our website now. And a lot of that is due to Joey uh, able to kind of typeset the document and to get it uploaded, all that kind of stuff. So that, those are some of Joey's gifts, but maybe before we, I know we're about to take a break and then kind of get more into your backstory, but maybe even share just some of your background, some of your um, the, the talents and gifts that you, you do bring to RYM. And I know that can be kind of awkward to talk about, you know, your gifts and strengths, but, but already, you know, computer background. I mean, you're talking about web design. So just g- give us a little bit there.
0: Sure. Sure. And actually I'll use this to to answer the other question from earlier too. So I did make it to Austin. Um, the, the very week, um, what would have been my final, like kind of post finals leading up to my graduation from covenant seminary. Um, once again, Brent had shot me a kind of a cryptic text, like a "Hey, could you maybe?" And it was like, "Hey, you know what's kind of funny is I have nothing do the week of graduation. Um, so yes, I think I can uh, I can fly in and out of Austin and make it oh, back wow. for the uh, the baccalaureate uh, ceremony. So <laughs> kind of rolled from the airport straight there. Um,
1: That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was that was something. Um, but it, it all worked out. So very grateful for that, um, background. So prior to, prior to working with RYM, um, let me go back all the way up to college, studied business and coaching in college. Um, at the time I was on what felt like a bullet train down the path to become a Chick-fil-A franchisee. Um, and had been doing a lot of work. I had worked there from about a week after I turned 15. Uh, all the way through college and had, I'd had been really kind of just beelining it in that direction and was had a ton of fun and was very uh, grateful for the opportunities that Chick-fil-A gave me to, it was doing grand openings and they were kind of flying me all the way, all over the country during my college years, um, which was its own kind of, you know, anything yeah. <laughs> to finagle. Um, and it was right at the end of college actually that I decided, hey, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is really what I want to do or I feel called to do anymore. Um, And so kind of out of nowhere, I made the decision to kind of step away and um, ended up applying. And I went to work for RUF, like mentioned earlier, for a few years and had gotten placed at the University of Tulsa. And then kind of following my years as an RUF intern, I had been weighing the idea of seminary and just wasn't quite sure which one and when I wanted to do that. And so I instead kind of pursued a more corporate path following that Um, kind of through a connection of a connection, uh, ended up working for a technology company based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, And within about two days of taking that job, I got moved from a sales role into a marketing role, Um, or at least was assigned up to our chief marketing officer and so I spent the next you know, several months kind of diving into the world of marketing and learning all sorts of terms that I had never heard before. Um, but very quickly, I think, was recognizing some creative gifts and some kind of strategy gifts, and yet was still very much missing, I think, the, the people component that I had become so accustomed to during my years of ministry. Um, and so to my great pleasure, uh, the day that i told my boss that i was thinking about applying for a counseling program um she said okay okay well, let me talk to the ceo you know i don't want you to quit yet and he called me maybe 20 minutes after they hung up the phone and said hey you're going to covenant seminary i love covenant seminary i'm a covenant college grad um why don't you not quit and go remote hmm. and like hopefully you'll work with me as long as you possibly can um so uh December 2019, right before the world flipped upside down, Hmm. uh, I moved to St. Louis, Missouri, and was working full time, began school full time, um, and ended up working in marketing while also working on my master's degree all the way up to graduation. So it's been a real, it's been a real delight, in some senses, to be able to not only borrow from that kind of the counseling background and ministry experience, but also the kind of the vocational skills that I had gained throughout those years mm-hmm. and be able to apply them here at RYM too.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> business, <laughs> marketing, technology, counseling, like all kinds of what, yeah, there's a lot. So you're, yeah, you're a Swiss army knife basically is what we can say for, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I mean, that's a good way of, that's a good way of putting it. So.
1: <laughs> I mean that in a good way too, for sure. Um, well, no, it's, it's great to hear that. and And I know, I mean, you're, Summing up years of your life here um, to talk about uh, just you coming on staff with RYM. And so I thought it'd be helpful uh, on the other side of the break to talk a little bit more about where you grew up, um, testimony, all sorts of things. Uh, So stick around, everybody. We'll be right back with Joey in just a little bit. All right, everybody back with Joey Kime, K-I-M-E. Just to <laughs> spell it one more time for everyone. Um, I, as I said a minute ago, why don't we just begin telling our, our listeners where you're from, where you grew up, family, all that good stuff. We'll just go from there.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. I, I and I'll, I'll give you this, uh, not what I like to tell people with Kime. Um, it's funny, every other word in the English language that ends in IME, we all say it easy, right? Like lime, dime, time. I don't know what it is about the K, but that's how. Once people kind of be like, yep, that's how we say it. Then it clicks. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And I, don't, yeah. I thought lime, obviously. I didn't even think time and dime. I mean, yeah, come on. That's your, <laughs> IME, yeah, come on. Well, right, go ahead. maybe Sorry. my
0: my love for phonics probably is uh, maybe a sign of uh, growing up. Um, So, I was born and raised in Orlando, Florida, Um, so originally from much warmer climate than I've kind of become accustomed to these last nine years or so. Um, I grew up uh, in a family of seven kids, uh, for which I am number six of the seven, Um, but I like to tell people there was actually never a point in time where all seven of us kids lived in the house at the same time. Eldest had gotten married just a few months before I was born. because um, we span about 24 years. Um, so yes, in some ways, those older siblings, uh, maybe at different points in life, maybe have felt more like really relevant aunts and uncles <laughs> and less like older siblings, but they're not really parents either. So um yeah. So all seven of us, uh all seven of us grew up in Orlando. Um, I think most of us were born there. I think my one brother might have been born in California. My dad was in the Air Force. Um, he used to fly or he was the navigation pilot in the F four jet. Um, so you know, I think you're uh I like to think of him as like goose from Top Gun. Um yeah. he had the, he was rocking the stash and, mm. and all of that. Um nice. by the time I was born, he had he had shifted into the reserves and so he was working in sales with my grandfather um at that point in life. Um and would just have to go down to South Florida about once a month um we were homeschooled at least the latter five of us so my joke about phonics homeschoolers love their like phonics textbooks and their spelling and their reading and so my my uh (laughs) my understanding of the english language is far greater than my ability to write it um (laughs) at least that's that's my joke about it um yeah we grew up so we grew up in orlando um Being the youngest boy, so there's three boys, excuse me, I have three brothers, three sisters, four boys in total. Um, My three older brothers right above me, and I've got one little sister. And I mean, so most of, you know, most of growing up, um, honestly, we would, we were big, like, outside kids. Uh, We would try to knock out all of our schoolwork before, like, lunchtime and be able to go outside and play. So three o'clock when we'd start banging on the neighbor's doors to see if they could come out and play now that they're home from school. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spent a lot of time outside and, you know, looking back now as an adult, I'm like, why were we running around outside at hundred degrees? But that just felt so normal.
1: Yeah. And look, as you're talking about growing up in Orlando, Florida, just a few episodes ago, we had Greg Lanier on the podcast, and he's currently in Orlando, Florida, a professor at RTS. He talked about just alligators everywhere um alligators so, everywhere so yes you're growing up playing outside did you encounter alligators <laughs> uh
0: not I would say much but definitely did um I have a distinct memory I was probably about seven or eight years old um and we were my little sister and I were outside driving around in one of those little powered Jeeps you know battery-powered Jeeps oh, and yeah. we were heading down the street to go get the mail and we looked over and there was an alligator walking down the sidewalk <laughs> um what most people picture when they picture Orlando, Florida, they picture like the theme parks, right? Disney World, Universal Studios. Um, what they should actually be picturing is that it's basically just a groom swamp, right? At some point in time, people like Disney came in and decided to like remove all the trees and try to fill in the wetlands. Hmm. But the gators are where they're supposed to be <laughs> in some sense. So when they end up in people's pools in the backyard, <laughs> You're like, well, that shouldn't shock us that much. Um, but there there are definitely a lot of Gators in Florida. Um, yeah. so. Um,
1: and tell us, you think? did you grow up in a church? What Was your family involved in the church?
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. We were definitely raised in the church and grew up in a Christian home. Um, I was raised in an independent Baptist church um, in East Orlando, just maybe five or 10 minutes or so from where... I lived. Um, My family attended church there. uh, Or I attended church with them all the way through the end of high school. Um, And I made the uh, I'd like to say courageous yet maybe rebellious decision. I was the first of my siblings to not go to a Christian college. Hmm. Um, I know, I know there was a really awesome like kind of scholarship system in Florida. and So staying at a state college made a lot of financial sense. And I had been, you know, in kind of in my chick a years, didn't want to give that up yet. It was kind of thinking, okay, well, how do I, how do I work, and then almost just like make college happen on the side. Um, at least that was my plan, kind of going into that freshman year. And, um, you know, so I had enrolled at UCF, had started taking my classes, and it was actually during that fall, though, um, that I met a couple coworkers being in close proximity to the University of Central Florida which is where I went to school. Um, we had a lot of college students that I worked with and I started to overhear about this college group that they attended and how it was really, like, a cool place especially in kind of the, the massive sea of people that UCF um, was at the time and it's only become more so since. Um, but they were like you know it's really it's been a great place to like, to meet people to kind of connect with other Christians on campus and um the downside was they met the one night that i had a night class mm. and i was like oh dang it you know so close but so far and uh, one of the girls that i was working with uh, one morning said well you know a lot of them actually go to the same church too um and a lot oftentimes we'll go get lunch afterwards and i said okay cool where you know where's that and she said university presbyterian it's a plant of orangewood kind of right by campus um and I said, okay, uh, you know, can I come with you next Sunday? And so, uh, that was the, the first Sunday I had attended attended a reformed church and was very quickly kind of drawn into the emphasis of grace and the emphasis that the pastor had, uh, really just kind of weaved throughout his sermon, um, that I think began to connect a much deeper part of the gospel that I had never heard before. Hmm. Um, and I. By God's grace, that was not the last Sunday I went there because uh, I ended up attending there every every week probably for the next two years. Um, would, so I had,
1: you, sorry, I totally interrupted You're you. good. You're good. Would you say you were a believer prior to this? You're, you're just understanding the gospel on a deeper level.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I think I, I would definitely say, probably some point in kind of the elementary years. I think big pizza big pieces about salvation had begun to click and make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, you know, kind of unashamedly, I was the good Sunday school kid who knew all the answers and, you know, any kind of interesting little, you know, kind of children's Bible trivia, like I could get that answer. You know, I could find the Bible passage faster during a sword drill. Um, but there were, I think some theological pieces that I had began wrestling with probably in those high school years mm-hmm. that I, didn't feel like the answers i was hearing were very satisfying mm-hmm. um and because i think my theology was kind of missing a few pieces that um, there was a lot more to the kind of the gospel story than kind of a get out of hell free card
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i think when i began to understand you know themes of adoption and themes of grace and you know what does justification or sanctification mean um as those concepts were introduced to me, I found myself, I mean, enthralled. Um, Mm -hmm. And questions that had long been unanswered began finding
1: answers. Hmm. So were these questions, I mean, were you bringing these up to your parents? Were you guys having discussions in the home about this? Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, some with parents, um, you know, these were, that was during some pretty formative years where, you know, those older siblings, the, uh, you know, relevant aunts and uncles, um, you know, some of them had begun kind of uh, exploring traditions outside of kind of that, uh, like I said, independent Baptist circle. Um, and so kind of to my benefit, one of my older sisters had begun attending, um, an EPC church in Orlando called First Prez. Um, and she also had been really drawn to kind of the clarity of scripture and the emphasis on grace and uh, kind of the appreciation of the Reformed tradition. So she was able to kind of, you know, kind of dialogue with me about some of that. Um, but then I think even more, you know, as I was, I think probably towards the end of high school, was also probably talking about it with some youth figures. Um, I, I had had a pretty strong relationship with my youth pastor kind of throughout high school. Um, But I think some of the questions were probably a bit uh, challenging for him to answer too.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, And I think I found that that was such a, it was such a renewing time, kind of that freshman year of college for me, both in what I was hearing on Sunday mornings. And then eventually, you know, that night class ended in the spring semester, I did end up attending the college ministry and then kind of found myself with, you know, some campus staff, at UCF that, that was like thrilled to talk about those questions, um, and kind of helped me process through what I was learning on Sunday mornings and um, kind of make sense of, okay, this is a, a much bigger and clearer picture of the whole gospel. Um, and that it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a faith uh, kind of built upon my ability to follow the rules properly.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, but instead, you know, undergirded by Jesus'
1: love for me hmm. that's awesome and that that's so cool just to hear kind of the subtle way that you just found out oh well they attend this church well hey i might get to try it out it was just kind of a uh, you know yeah. setting up the trajectory for the rest of your life but you just thought yeah i'll go check it out and maybe get to meet a community of people i'll connect with and anyway that's just yeah awesome to think about that that piece um I'd love for you to talk a little bit about Chick-fil-A because it seems like a major part of your story. So I know we're into the college years and you said back in, you know, at the age of 15, you started with Chick-fil-A. So maybe just talk to us a little bit about your time with Chick-fil-A.
0: Sure, sure. (laughs) Um, Oh man, the chicken hut, as we affectionately called it. Um, Yeah, so I walked, you know, whilst in bright eyed and polo shirt and combed hair um, about a week or so after turning 15, And handed an application directly to the store manager. And she asked me if I could come in for an interview the next day. Um, I'd like to think that I was, at least at that point in life, I think I was a much quieter person, Um, probably a lot more introverted, pretty shy. And, but I had uh, quite the work ethic, um, as I think is maybe famously true of the like homeschooler Chick fil A high schoolers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, maybe just all high schoolers who work at a Chick-fil-A. Um, but I, I joined the ranks of, there were, there were five other, other kids my age. Um, also probably from homeschool backgrounds. And what was really kind of funny is that we didn't work with the rest of those our age who all worked at nighttime. And so my dad would come drop me off on his way to work. Um, he'd drop me off and I would typically do like a four hour shift in the morning. Hmm. Um, before I'd rush home and do school and then like head to high school sports. So kind of got my, got my start really early. It was always like a daytime, daytime personality, um, which is especially ironic because even to this day, anything before like 8 a.m. is just, like, <laughs> I'm still pretty half asleep, um, but you know, the 7 a.m. became 6 a.m. and became 5 30 a.m. And so through most of college, uh, yeah, it was typically on the, the 530 to two grind. Hmm. Um, you know, kind of, a what people don't usually realize is there's oftentimes between like 70 and hundred people who work at each store. Wow. So it is a massive crew because they'll staff, you know, certain hours up to like sometimes 20 to 30 people. And so, you know, I, I kind of had the luck of people my age to get to work earlier in the day and therefore kind of have more hours, but, um, made it my intent really early on to figure out what it would look like to get raises and promotions. Hmm. Um, and so if that meant doing all the worst jobs, 10 times better than everybody else, that's what I'd try to do every day. Wow. Um, so by 16, um, I would become a, a, a team leader. Um, and I remember the first day I was wearing that different polo. Uh, they put me and another 16 year old in charge of our like Saturday shift. And they taught us how to count all the money in the safe. And they taught us how to answer the phone and take a complaint, you know, you name it. And it was just like and then the store manager left. <laughs> so our very first time you've got the like the crazy operation of a Chick-fil-A being basically run by two 16 year olds um, <laughs> while we're like sending all the adults on break. Um, so <laughs> we took that job very, very seriously. Um, and so kind of by the I think by maybe my sophomore or junior year, I had work my way into like the store management team. Um, and around that time, Chick-fil-A had kind of launched this, what became kind of a, it was a big deal. You could, you know, when they would open a new store, people, hundreds of people would line up to try to get Chick-fil-A for a year. And they would give I it out to, yeah, yeah. Kind of a, a throwback to the older times, but, yeah. you know, it used to be they would just call it the first 100. And then, you know, as like 700 people would be sitting outside, they would just raffle those off. But they made made a big deal out of those openings, and so what they would do is they would kind of recruit the, you know, biggest personalities, the best at the job, you know, from all over, and they would fly us up to some city and have us train a whole new team, and we'd spend one or two weeks on site. Um, So yeah, did quite a number of those kind of during those years
1: when they were flying year round.
0: um, I think I did my first one. I think I was 20 years old. Wow. I think I had probably just turned 20. And yeah, that was quite a time. I remember my first one, they sent me out to Denver. It was one of the first stores that opened because they just, at that point in time, Chick-fil-A was much more concentrated kind of in the Southeast and Texas. Hmm. And then they kind of obviously have kind of sense sprawled all over. So, yeah.
1: and And I don't know if you... Want to answer this question and we can edit this out. Uh, are, are you able to eat a Chick-fil-A now or is it kind of, you've been behind the scenes, you've been there so long, you would eaten so much. Is that, what's it like? Chick-fil-A now? That, is a,
0: that is a great question. Um, you know, I did, I went and tried their, uh, I think it's called like their honey pimento sandwich hmm. the other and day.
1: Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah.
0: Um. I will say that was, I would give that, that was a solid 10. Um I took some years off, I'll be honest. <laughs> I think there were probably three or four years um following the end of my my years there that I yeah, I just didn't have a craving for it at all. I mean, I knew I would, you know, the food tastes good, obviously. Um especially if you go smother it in Chick-fil-A sauce, which came out while I worked there. Mm. Um kind of mm-hmm. remember that arriving and just being like, what is this? Um yeah, I definitely had to take a little break. Um, I think my my go to though for any Chick Fil A lovers out there, you have to go in in the morning. You get the spicy chicken biscuit, with Colby Jack cheese, and egg, and that's I think that's their best menu item.
1: Wow. Okay, spicy chicken sandwich. Colby well, Jack- spicy
0: chicken biscuit, Colby okay. Jack cheese, and and an egg.
1: Okay. Wow. All right.
0: I think it's I think it's top tier. Hmm.
1: That sounds good and totally understandable (laughs) that you would take time off. I mean, you know, when some place becomes your place of employment and you're walking in there all the time and the smell (laughs) and everything, I mean, you've got to take a break. So that's no shade at Chick-fil-A. We all love (laughs) Chick-fil-A.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, from, yeah, all the openings getting to visit there, if you can believe it, it, it's like visiting like maybe like a Google or Facebook HQ, they have this awesome kind of headquarters space in Atlanta. Um, and then they have this like kind of the innovation center inside of it called the hatch and like getting to see all that in real life and be like, Oh, this is, I mean, they're doing great things. Oh yeah. Um, really, really cool. things." They're so
1: impressive. Um, love my well, time
0: there. And, but yeah, it's kind of, I'm also glad I think to be on the side of it all and go, you know, that was a really fun, fun experience. And, uh, I don't regret any of those years because um, I know that, like, you know, so much of that paved even how I kind of operate today.
1: Sure. Yeah. And like, this is the last Chick-fil-A question I'll ask you. I promise Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> when somebody says, thank you to you, what do you, <laughs> does my pleasure come to mind? I'm just wondering if you were, <laughs> that was so ingrained. My pleasure as a chick fil yeah. employee.
0: I'll say for the first, uh, let's say first year, my pleasure was the only thing that came out. Um, I probably <laughs> have danced in some years since where I have to actively choose to say, you're welcome. Mm, okay. um, <laughs> now I bet both come out uh, fluently, but there was almost like a retraining that had to happen afterwards oh, yeah. to not sound like I was still a Chick-fil-A employee.
1: Sure, because I I sent you a message on Slack, I think just last week, and you said, my pleasure to it. I did. Okay, I almost <laughs> you know, followed up with the whole Chick-fil-A, but <laughs> anyway. Mm. Um. Okay, so past Chick-fil-A, you realize the Lord's not calling you um in that direction. You enjoyed your time there. Okay, you started thinking about ministry more full-time and RUF, all of that. Why don't you just talk to us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, the the day I, my last day it took play, I remember I had, um, I was, as I mentioned, I was pretty involved with a student ministry throughout college. So I was part of uh, Reform University Fellowship at UCF. Um, and that was the first year, this would have been maybe summer, summer 2009, I wanna say. Um, that was my, I was about to head into my senior year of college, excuse me, not 2009. 2013. Um, But heading into my senior year of college, um, UCF had been assigned their first um, male RUF intern. Um, And he and I had been kind of meeting and getting closer uh, kind of throughout that year. And at one point, he and I were sitting down, I think we were splitting, or maybe both ordered some milkshakes at a steak and shake close to campus. And he asked me why I kind of would get together and meet up for coffee with so many of the other guys' students. Hmm. Um, and I said, well, I, I really love to, like especially all the guys that come to our small group. And he and I had been co-leading a, a small group that semester on Hebrews. And I mean, we thought, you know, this is, a, this is a dense book. Like maybe some really serious students will come. And I don't know, we had 18 or 20 tripling in every week um, who seemed to be there, I think, large in part from the kind of the community. I think they liked learning what we were discussing, but also I think the community that was kind of forming. And so I had kind of just taken upon myself to try to reach out to them and get to know them better. And anyways, he kind of looked at me and he said, you know, that there's like jobs like this, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there are jobs doing that. Um, and I kind of, you know, went through the, all the questions about, you yeah, know, Okay, it's a, you're a support for this role. Like could I really do it? Um, it certainly seems like it'd be a lot of fun. Um, something I think I'm good at. And, um, so anyways, kind of went down to the applying theory of internship. Um somewhere during the interview, I think I was describing, um, I was describing the University of Alabama without naming it. You know like trying to tell them like this is the kind of school i'd love to go work at somewhere maybe more social than academic um which is much like for anyone who doesn't know ucf is the largest college in the united states mm-hmm. i think it's uh at the time it was probably like 64 sixty five thousand. i think it's probably crept past 70 at this point um mostly commuter school i mean like the average person is not at ucf because it's the hardest school to get into <laughs> Um, And most people show up to Orlando, Florida, right, thinking they're just going to have a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of, even though I had kind of, by necessity with working full time, had needed to take my school very seriously, I think I was like, man, I just, I want some kids who have a lot of free time and who will really kind of get to be involved in ministry. And uh, anyways, apparently somewhere kind of throughout that dialogue with the RDF national staff. they had very much thought otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I came to find out some months later that during that meeting, they were like, uh, he's going to go work for Brent Corbin. Hmm. Like he may not be describing the university of Tulsa and all of the STEM but that's students, where he's going. <laughs> but he's yeah. Like this is some sort of Brent Corbin, little carbon copy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think they'll work together just fine. Um, so when I found out I was going to the university of Tulsa, it was about 4,000 students, including their grad programs. Um, and like average ACT scores of like a 35. I was like, (laughs) I don't think they listened to me. (laughs) Um, but they had just been listening to everything else I had been talking about. Um, so yeah, ended up, um, by God's grace. I mean, the donors situation, I mean, obviously not growing up in the reform tradition, um, my network of potential donors felt really small, especially to care about something like college ministry for a reformed organization. Um, but I mean, the money—the money did, in fact, come in in many marvelous ways. Um, and so I, you know, moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thought I would do two years and head back to Orlando. Um, two years turned into four years. Um, so I stayed on staff there for four, and. Yeah, that obviously kind of led into all of the the next uh, really exciting things.
1: Yeah. Well, and talk a little bit about moving from Orlando to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, that that seems like a pretty drastic, (laughs) drastic move.
0: Yep. Um, So at the time, I was driving an old Ford Explorer, and I had decided um, that basically whatever fit in that vehicle was what was coming with me. Hmm. Um, And Brent had connected me to a kind of a group of uh, kind of post grad guys who were all living together. Um, So I was about to be number five. I was gonna be five of five roommates um, in this little three bedroom house in Tulsa. So I didn't know them. Had talked to them on the phone real briefly. Knew I had a place to go. Um, Found out from RUF about two days before I was supposed to be on campus that I had gotten the green light to move. Loaded that car up and started the drive. Um, So drove all day. Ended up in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Stayed the night um, with an old college friend who was incidentally working on REF staff at Southern Miss, and then got in the car the next day. Drove, and I literally drove up to the like the back to school like big blowout event. Um, car still packed. Got out, did the whole event with Brent and my co intern, and then okay. went and drove to my house for the first time.
1: So I'm sorry. Okay. So, how, how long of a drive is it from Orlando to Tulsa, Oklahoma? Do you do you know that?
0: I, I think it was maybe close to 19 hours.
1: Wow. Okay. So, you you split the trip up, mm-hmm. but the second leg, as you arrive at an RUF event, you don't even yep. got anything. out.
0: Yeah. Got out, went and did this back to school event. Probably somewhere between like 500 and 700 kids showed up. I mean we got the food trucks and it was this whole you know whole ordeal um
1: that sounds it's kind of at the
0: very <laughs> see maybe that's where you and i are a little different for you that sounds terrible and i was like i was just getting more and more excited the entire second day of the drive
1: yeah
0: you know first day was like all the emotions of leaving for the first time um because i had never lived anywhere but orlando oh okay so having grown up there in college so i think i was like in some ways, saying kind of bye to two phases of life and was then embarking on this post-college journey
1: yeah.
0: somewhere completely unknown. Um,
1: well, I guess it makes sense. I mean, you're isolated in a car and then you arrive and it's like, okay, I get to be around other humans. So, Yeah,
0: other humans. And, you know, I'm tired from the drive, but then getting like majorly charged, you know, extrovert meters, like going through the roof, getting to meet all these people. And um, yeah, it was such a blast. And then, like I said, very end of the night, probably almost 10 p.m., I'm like rolling up to my first house in Tulsa and like unloading unloading that car. And I remember I slept on the carpet that night because I didn't have a bed yet. Um, and then just, you know, I mean, nothing, nothing was truly in place for probably another two
1: weeks. Wow. Um that's intense.
0: <laughs> it was <laughs> so actually now I'm kind of in retrospect, rolling up to RYM at you know, high school four to two and all of the big shebang, maybe it's kind of my, maybe that's my preference to, uh, starting something off.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, look, I I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I'd love for you to talk just a little bit about covenant seminary. I mean, you're just finishing that and, uh, some of your, your, your background there.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. So somewhere, um, probably kind of during my REF intern years, I had begun, I had begun the MDIF program at Covenant virtually. Um, and this was kind of obviously pre-COVID before lots of programs had made like online learning, like really, really accessible. But I had started, I think maybe five classes um, over that year. And at that same year, it was the first time that I was, I had begun teaching at our large group meetings a couple times. And I think I was feeling this tension of like, obviously loving the theology and actually enjoying the teaching. Um, But I was always kind of conflicted on this bit of like, okay, you know, if I'm going to go work on this lesson for 10 or 15 hours, like in my mind, I couldn't help but think that that's like 10 or 15 more coffees that I could have with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a tension I think I was kind of wrestling with throughout those ministry years. And so you know at the end of REF, I had decided okay, like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna push pause, I'm not gonna pursue the MDiv any further. Um, and I'm gonna, you know, kind of explore what it would might look like to work in the corporate space. Um, now, fast forward a few months, I had come to the decision that I was gonna apply to go to Covenant Seminary. Um, interestingly, after I had called my now wife Drew, uh, so she had been a good friend of mine from my REF years, she was down at auburn university um but she and i had kind of kept up over the time and she had just begun the counseling program at covenant as well and so i called her and just said hey now that you're there like what do you really think um you know like covenant has pitched it to me a couple different ways and like it does sound wonderful but now that you're in like what do you really think And she said it's like it's everything they said and more um like it's really awesome and it's like a, it's going to be a really like sweet landing place, kind of coming off of the the intensity of uh, college ministry. And I'm so glad I waited as long as I did to go because I think by the time I showed up, I had just such a thirst for learning again. But mm-hmm. I think I'd kind of finally come back around after some years away from college. Um, so I yeah, I did the Master's of Arts and Counseling program, um, and so kind of throughout my that final third year, we got to see a lot of uh we kind of put all the theory to practice and basically have a clinical year. Um and so I partnered up with one of the the private practices here in town that was started by some covenant grads. And yeah, so I I still work in counseling a little bit on the side. Um and so kind of keep a small caseload, um, which has been a really, really, you know, fun way to use what I've learned. Um and kind of stay sharp in that field. And mm-hmm. I'm excited for maybe some of the ways that, you know, I can kind of borrow from that counseling training and expertise, um, even as I maybe get to eventually slip in and help teach from time to time, but um, you know, whether at our training events or maybe even in the electives at some point.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's something I was gonna say. Um, aren't you confirmed to speak at this year's, or I guess 2024 YLT, yeah. is that right? Yep.
0: Yep. So it was, that was um, maybe its own kind of humorous brainchild, maybe a story for another day, but um, I will, I will be. So I'm uh, one of the classes we actually that kind of got added to Covenants curriculum as they went through this whole crazy process called CACREP accreditation was that they they knew they needed to add a kind of a specialty class around trauma um, and caring for trauma. And so this year at YLT, I'm going to be doing a, an elective kind of breakout seminar on uh trauma informed care kind of for those on the front lines, which believe it or not are not usually the counselors. Hmm. Um more often than not, especially with young like young people, that's gonna be school teachers, youth directors and pastors, um, you know, maybe parents. Um, but I think what I'm hearing more often than not, even as I work with some teenagers, is that people like the youth directors and teachers are the ones who might hear something for the first time um, and so there can be some really there can be some really helpful ways to respond um, that actually I mean that really do meet those students where they need somebody to listen um, and there's I don't know so there's kind of some do's and don'ts of what it looks like to kind of walk with people who have just kind of encountered or gone something gone through something difficult mm-hmm. um, and so that's what I'm going to be kind of talking to everybody about.
1: Yeah, I, I look forward to that. I look forward to sitting in that and, and learning from you, um, Joey. Thanks so much for for taking the time to come on today to to share about your life. I know it's it's hard to sum up all these years and um, bits and pieces. I know that you left out and weren't able to talk about, but um, I'm excited to have you on staff and to continue to to see your gifts and how they align with the various avenues at, at RYM. But I thought it's just also a great opportunity to. To let all those who do listen to this podcast just to hear about um another staff member joining us. And hopefully some of you who listen are going to come to Wild Tea will benefit from from Joey speaking. But uh thanks for all your work, Joey. It's great having you all.
0: Thanks, John. It's been a pleasure to be here. Oh
1: come and
0: buy without money. Oh come and feast without money.